This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. You know, what is it I don't, there's something else I don't, I don't do There's banquets. a lot of things that you don't do. I don't do banquets. Do. I, I really try not to do banquets if all possible. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. So you will address me as Stephen A. or Mr. Smith. You won't call me a bona fide scrub and then continue to talk on my damn show. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpup. It's intercepted by Jacob File and a chance at a house call. File 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Bullpup. Everything happening in the sports world. Mahomes throws it for the touchdown. And even some things not happening in the sports world. I go to Walmart and get my $18 pair of shoes the last two years, and it's just fine. You like those fine? No Zions for you. No Zions for me. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Steve, you embark on year number 41 today. That's right. As you mentioned in your column, you've taken that great step forward. Do you feel older today because of that? No. You feel the exact same age? I feel the exact same age. Now, remember, you're supposed to not say no I know. to all of my questions. That's right. The mayor came. I was expecting you to say, oh, yeah, I am feeling <laughs> way older today. Because it's it's one of those big numbers. Yeah. 40 years. Yeah. People don't make it 40 years very often. No. In one job at the same place. Well, one, uh, two jobs in the same town. Well, right. Right, but doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. You're you're essentially a one job man. Yeah. Exactly. Although you have two very fine employers. Right. Steve, do you do you feel like forty one is going to be the big year? It's going to be the sweet one. They're all they've all been sweet. They've all been good. What do you think was the best year? The best year? Yeah, the oh, best I, year of your forty. I don't know. They've all run together. I I kind of like that ninety nine year where the boys and girls both won the state basketball championship. In the were there a year. couple of area state champions that year too? I think so. I think uh, Little River and Mount Ridge, because I remember I did a special four page uh, insert section into the newspaper and gave a page to each team. Well, I encourage everybody to go to midkansasonline.com, read Steve's column today where he reminisces on his forty years, but. We're excited for year number 41 yeah. as it gets underway this week and probably really gets underway next week, it next sure Monday does. the 19th. That's right. When yeah. all of the high school stuff picks up. Yeah, we've been out watching college football practice That's this right. week. That's right. The, but the preps start next week, and I'm wrapping up my mid-Kansas, you know, getting everything done for the fall mid-Kansas sports magazine. Now what I want to do, Steve, is I want to take your mid-Kansas fall sports magazine from this year and compare it to what would have been the equivalent of that from 40 years ago, the 1979 McPherson Fall Sports Preview. Ugh. Will you please just let me read it? I got to find it. I got to figure out where it's at. I got it somewhere, but it is not good. It is not good. And I was a rookie, and, you know, you know, I'd been given two weeks by John Frazier to put together a fall sports tab. Well, they don't teach you fall sports editions at KU. No. That's not something they teach you. I mean, that's something 
You learn. You probably I, wrote a few fall previews, and you had done right. that before, but not right. every single team, and not designing a, an edition. Right. I mean, I I think it was only like, God, was it twelve page, eight or twelve pages, something like that. And I later got up to. I remember the the one with uh, Bruce Gross on the cover. They had just built the weight room at Mac College, and Bruce Gross had had a really good year at Mac College, and that was a forty four page preseason Whoa. edition. Yeah, and by the time by the time I left, it was down to thirty two probably, but uh, it got as, it got as much as forty and forty four if I recall. The funny thing about this business in a place where your voice is heard. And you can go back and and read and see or hear what you were doing or what I was doing is that you probably hate a lot of things that you wrote early on. And I hear this sentiment from a lot of broadcasters and writers that they go, oh, I can't even read that anymore. It, it just It's not the way I am now. Right. It's not the way that I would like it to be. Do you get that way when you go read things from yourself 20, 30, 40 years ago? Well, I really don't go back real far as far as reading things. But, you know, I did a lot of studying in my younger days. I would read the really greats, you know, and, uh, you know, the Mike Lupica's, Mitch Albums, you know, people like that. Uh, later on, e- even I'd been here 20 years, I'd read Joe, because Joe Pazanski may be the best sports writer in my era. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, so I took, you know, I, I would study how they would set stories up and, and, you know, I always said game stories. I know when I was, I first started out my, when I was like 18 and writing game stories for the independence daily reporter, uh, they were pretty vanilla. They were like, uh, Jace Kinnaman ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns as McPherson high defeated, uh, Goddard 20 or 28 to seven. You know, the leads were very simple. And and I learned early on. Well, I mean, I learned even at KU. You got to have, you got to have something to catch the reader. You got to have a, what they call a hook, something that man, that's a good lead. Something that grabs the eye. Yeah, something that grabs the eye, other than just such and such, blah blah. I mean, you got to have some spice to it. So uh, you know, you got to catch that reader. Or they'll just say, eh, meh. You know, that was boring. And they'll skim through it. Skim through it. But uh, no, I I always write stories that that I, I want people to think about, make, yeah. them, make them think and say, hey, that was, I want them to say when they're done, that was a pretty good story. That's one of my favorite parts about this show is that my goal is that somebody is listening to this and then goes home and thinks about it again later. Mm-hmm. That it's not just in one ear, out the other, and well, they go, said, they go goal, God, Jim and my, Steve are idiots. My goal was at, at least one person liked it, liked my story, thought it was, you know. What if 80 people hate it? Well, that's and they their... send you scathing mess- messages in the mail, and, and that's fine. You know, but if one person liked it, it's all that's good. That's right. I, I, at least I, one person enjoyed it. So, uh, the thing I've always tried to do in forty years of sports writing is accentuate the positive. I've always yeah. felt for what I do, you know, for what I write for. Now I can be negative about, oh, really? about the Chiefs <laughs> and the Royals and and KU. And I thought K-State, you just meant in general. But high school preps. You should never, ever write anything with a really negative or vitriol-type tone. You mentioned the fact that you did a lot of studying. You did a lot of reading of other writers. You, you And I think that's a very important thing, especially in, I guess you can call it journalism. I don't know if I consider myself a journalist. But in this field, 
that you have to see what other people are doing. Right. Because let's say you're a writer, Steve, and somebody came up to you and said, who are some sports writers that you like? And you go, this guy, this guy, this guy. Mm -hmm. If you didn't really have an answer, if you said, oh, I don't know, I don't really read other stuff, I just read myself, then I don't think that's a very good way to be your best and to be at your best potential because you have to see what other people are doing. And that was one thing that I did a lot of whenever I was in college, and I, and I still do today, that I listen to a lot of different broadcasters. And I'm constantly listening to it with a different ear, not just, oh, I'm watching the Chiefs and the Saints. Mm -hmm. I, I'm listening to Jim Nance on the call. Yeah. I'm hearing what he's saying. I will turn on the radio and say, how did Mitch describe that well, on the I, Chiefs Fox football you know, radio always, network? When I write, I'm like, how would this play in Kansas City? How would Kansas City readers react to the way say if say if I did a Royals column for for us and I did it for the Kansas City Star how would the Kansas City readers take it I always look at it that way the other thing that I do a lot and I don't know if there's the exact same equivalent for you but I listen to my own tape a lot yeah I hear it I constantly am, am listening to things and it's not because I love my own voice it's not like I'm sitting in there going oh Let's hear what that guy had to say last mm -hmm. night. But it's a way for me to improve. Right. And it's a way for me to listen and say, oh, that was not delivered very well. Or, wow, that sounded pretty good. I think I could get, get away with doing that again. And that's the way I've always been. When I was in college, I would actually take my game tape from, let's say, a Baldwin High football game against Lewisburg, mm -hmm. put that on my phone, and over the course of the next seven days, listen to the entire game. You could add Tim Hedrick uh, look at it. Yes, well, uh, Tom Hedrick. Yeah, yeah, Tom. <laughs> uh, I would go through it and listen to it every single every single play of that game. And not only as a way for me to critique myself, but also as a way to remember what happened in the game. Where, Steve, I would imagine you would remember a game from a week ago better if you went back and watched the play-by-play -play of it on, in your sure, notes sure. than it would be if you just went into it and winged it. Yeah. So it was a way for me to prepare, but also to critique. And I think that is where I got the best, was just being able to listen to myself. And now I have a really hard time going back and listening to myself from like 2014. That's where I, about 14 or 15 is where I can tell I made a big jump. Mm -hmm. And even now, I listen to something from two years ago and I go, oh God, I don't, turn it off, turn well, it you off. Know, you know, what's always been interesting for me is the columns that I've written that have gotten the most comment are the ones that aren't sports. You know, every once in a while, I don't write a sports column. That's when you dig into the personal life. It's it. I one time I wrote about what Christmas was like growing up as a kid and what it meant to me. I had more. I had more people comment on that. Uh, like, I I wrote a column one time when we finally closed up our house after our house had uh, we had lived there. Well, not you know my parents had lived there for 53 or 54 years, you know, we closed up the house, had the auction, sold off things in the house. People really, really got into that. So, um, and I've also written columns about friends that I've lost, you know, Johnny Sunshine Watkins. Yeah. You know, people like that. I think you wrote a really good one on Doug Gayer. Doug Gayer. Yeah. A year ago. Because I just feel like it's, you know, I, that you know, it's, it's a story that has to be told. And, uh, you know, and those are the columns that really surprise, you know, I don't really get much comment. Like if I review a bullpup, you know, 
write a column about the bullpup game and what they did. It's those personal columns that for I think people can the tear jerker. Yeah, well, and I'm not going for the tear. I'm not trying to go for the tear jerk, but it's real life, and I think it's something like closing up the house, you know, selling it for the you know selling the house. Everybody has to go through that at some point. Right. Well, Steve, you want to talk about sports, or do you just want to talk about our jobs? I. I don't like talking about myself, to be honest with you. Well, we're, we're, we're going to dive in. Steve, what's your social security <laughs> number? That's, we need your banking routing number. No, okay. We've got a couple things to talk about today. We mentioned yesterday the pace of play in golf and all of the drama that that has caused over the last couple of weeks, and in particular this past weekend. We can talk about that in a minute. The I-70 series continues tonight, Steve. Oh. Royals and Cardinals. Yeah. We can talk about that. But... Did you see the big news yesterday out of the Oakland Raiders camp? Antonio Brown lost his grievance with the NFL, and allegedly he's going to report to camp. It sounded like a lot of bark. Ooh, a lot of bark. Oh, yeah. And not a whole lot of bite. Oh, he he was never going to. Anyone that thought he was going to retire. I've That's got what some, he said. I've got some land for you, you know, out in Staten Island. Yeah. I just... I'm surprised that he handled this the way that he did. With saying, oh, I, I can't use my helmet. I'm going to retire. I hate you, the NFL. Do you think he's going to give up $13 million? Are you well, kidding? I know there's a few people that are giving up $10 million or $30 million. Mr. Dak Prescott. And that's the other. What? When I saw that story last night, it just blew my mind. For those who don't know, Dak Prescott, who is a very pedestrian quarterback as far as I'm concerned uh, was offered 30 million a year by the Dallas Cowboys and he said that's chump change he wants 40 million a year so so what does that mean Patrick Mahomes is going uh, to make yeah, whenever I, I, he wants his contract I mean, if you put Chad Henney in at the quarterback of the Cowboys I don't think the Cowboys record will be a whole lot worse because Dak Prescott is a game manager he is not a game winner. He's a game manager. Uh, he's not a Patrick Mahomes. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. He wants that kind of money, and he doesn't have that kind of talent. So going back to Antonio Brown, now that I think about it, I, I just get confused at why he went about this in the way that he did. And I understand that he wants – change is hard, whatever it would be. Steve, if I knocked on your front door and said – hey, this door here, you have two ways to get into your home. You're not allowed to use this door anymore. You have to go to the backside, walk down into the basement, and then climb a ladder into your apartment. I think you would meet that with some with some fight. A little skepticism. I think you would say, whoa, 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 no, no. I've been doing this the same yeah. way for so long. Yeah. I, I've gotten comfortable to walking in through this way. The steps are nice and short. It's easy for me to get up there. If you make me have to climb up that ladder, my back's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. But I think if it all came down to it, okay, so if you don't do this, you have to move. You have to do this. You have to do this. That when it would come down to it, you'd probably just go up the ladder. Don't you think at this point? <laughs> you would say, okay, I guess I'll just climb those well, eight steps on the ladder. Well, anyone knows It me. would make life a little more difficult than right. you would like it. Everyone that knows me knows change is not a big word in my vocabulary. I am anti-change of anything. I'm a pretty predictable, interrupt type person. And that you wouldn't like the change at first, but if 
your overlord, your landlord, came and said, this is the way it's going to be, and you're done with it. Or if, or if they came and said, hey, you have to move upstairs. We're going to move all your stuff upstairs. Oh, I'm not doing it. I'm leaving. I've, I've, I'm done with this place. Mm-hmm. I could see that being your reaction at first, like we all have sometimes with a pushback from change. But when it comes down to it, sometimes you just give in. You say, yeah. all right, fine. Yeah. All right, fine. Sounds good. I'll wear that new helmet. It'll probably be fine for me. And that's why I've just been so confused with the way he it went about seem- this. Because he should have known it this is how seem- it was going to go. It just seems like the guy just craves attention, whatever it is. Whatever attention it is, he just craves everyone to be looking. It's me, me, me. It's all about me, which is why it's a perfect fit for the Oakland Raiders. Because that organization has been all about individuals and not a team for a long time. We'll sorry. see. We'll, we'll sorry, see how Raiders that team, fans. That's how it's been. We'll see how that team looks next year, this year, yeah. in a few months. Yeah. All right. Let's take our first break. When we come back, let's talk some golf. Steve, does that sound fine to you? Excellent. That was a yes. It was. A, it was a question that ended with a yes. Tell the mayor. Yeah. Yes. All right. We'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, ninety-six point seven FM, KDBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, The Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer's State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. We're back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. Steve, if there was one thing about your golf game that I could 100% say is true all of the time, it's not that you hit those putts with a draw. It's not that you hit that big draw off the tee and can pound it down the fairway. But I think your most consistent attribute is the fact that you play at a very good pace. Almost too fast sometimes. You play very fast. I play very fast. The group I play in plays very fast. Uh, our group that plays a lot together, We play, if, if there's nobody in front of us, you know, s- slowing us down, if you just give us the course, we play in about two hours and 15 or 20 minutes. And those are in golf carts. Yeah, because we, we get out. Not we're, walking. We're ready to hit the ball. When one guy's done, the other guy's about got almost in his backswing. I think I play relatively quick would you say so would you say that you've gotten quicker since when the times you play with us you, yes and that that we have that we have that uh, effect on people that we play it, like you know there's three of us that play together pretty much and the fourth spot you know it's a rotation of people but i think those that fourth person that comes in gets caught up in our pace of play yeah and maybe they don't like it very much but but that's how we play and and, uh, you know, I don't get over a putt. I don't – I used to get down and, look, you know, line up putts. I think because I have played the course so many thousands and thousands of times that I don't even have to get down to look at the putt. I know what it's going to do. I've had that putt probably a 100 times from about every angle. So I don't get down and look – I don't go pace off, you know, how long it is to the green. I know it's 72 yards from a certain spot. I know what club I hit. I pull the trigger and I go. So the reason that I bring this up, and we 
hinted at it yesterday, is that some professional golfers have been talking about pace of play on the PGA Tour. And the two that really bubbled up this week were Bryson DeChambeau as well as Brooks Kepka, Two younger guys that are in the top five, I would have to think, right now in the world. Right. DeChambeau was one for a little bit, yeah, but man. I think he's come back to reality a little bit more. Yeah. But the reason that this came up is that Brooks Kepka has always been known as somebody that plays very fast. Right. And not just very fast, but ready golf. Whenever the ball goes up in the air from whoever he's playing with shot, Brooks is standing over, ready to go, whenever everybody is and settled. they showed a clip. He was playing with Rory. He was 40 yards ahead of Rory, getting ready. You know, he was ready to hit the ball. He's, he's standing right there as soon as Rory's done hitting. And for Bryson DeChambeau, he has been known as somebody that is, let's say, a little bit more diligent with every shot. And quirky. Takes his time. And part of this came up about a video from the weekend of DeChambeau having about an eight-foot putt, seeing it from one angle, Walking around, looking at another angle. Looking at his book that shows how the green, you know, the uh, tier of the green, the angles of the green. And then getting back to the ball, stepping off it again. And then he took about two minutes for an eight-foot putt. And he hit it terrible. Which should be about a a 20 to 30-second procedure. 30-second at the most. And so Brooks Kepka, he wasn't necessarily calling him out, but he was saying there are some guys on the tour that take a little bit too much time. It's slower for my pace of play than I like. Well, he played with Justin Thomas and somebody else. I can't remember who the third guy was. They played a four-hour and 45-minute round. Pros, I mean, 4.15. Now, remember, they're walking. Yeah, and it's and they were playing threes, which they don't do very often. Normally, on the weekends, on the weekends in the big tour, they're twosomes because twosomes play fast. They have to get, you know, they got so much TV time. And remember, there is a lot of money that rides on every putt, oh, every shot, and that if you give these guys time, they're really, really good. Yeah, They're really good if you don't give them any time. But if you let them look at putts, if you let them stand over it, if you let them see somebody else's putt go down, that they can be very good. But I do think there has been a little bit of a problem with some of these guys playing a little too slow. And simply this problem, what other sport... Do you know of, Steve, where a lot of people, when they watch it, take a nap? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but golf... That go- is just famous. Oh, <laughs> turn on this and yeah. take a little nap. Yeah. Golf. Yeah. You don't really say that with a Sunday afternoon of watching football. You don't Base- say that with a Saturday of college football. Sometimes baseball will drag when the guy gets in the batter's box, gets out. But they've made some changes to that. You know, the pay- they've tried to pick up... The pace of play in baseball. But it's a slow sport. It is a slow Golf sport. Golf is a slow sport. Yeah. And we don't want this to be two-and-a-half-hour lightning rounds where these guys are flying around. Oh, no. They don't even get a chance to look at putts. They just stand over it and go. But what I am saying is these guys could do a little bit better. And you mentioned the Brooks Kepka moment with Rory McIlroy where he was walking ahead of him. There are some people in the golf world that think you should never be walking ahead Always stay well, back behind. I can, I can give you a personal story. Let's hear it. I walked ahead of Coach Kinneman one time. We Ooh. were playing. He basically sent a four iron over my head. Didn't say anything, but that was a warning. I mean, he didn't come close to hitting me, of course, but uh, it was just kind of a warning shot. So we joke about it now, so I don't walk ahead of him. Like, But, I, you know, I'm a fast player. I go, go, go. So you are not a fan of people walking in front a little bit? 
It doesn't bother me. I I mean, I could care less if somebody's, as long as they're, I know I can't hit them, but it doesn't bother me when people are ahead. Steve knows that he can't hit them, but he can't hit the microphone in front of him. I just did. So what is the best solution here? Would you be opposed? Well, they're supposed to be, they're they're supposed to have a person, a, a marker with them that, you know, they put them on the clock. They call it putting on the clock. And, uh. But they don't do it. What did I see the last time a pro? It was like 2008, the last time a pro was sl- fine for slow play. Now, the women's game is the one that really drives you crazy because it really takes – they are much, much slower. They're very diligent. They're very every diligent. Putt. Yeah. And my good friend Craig Corrigan, friend of the show, Craig Corrigan, caddy, he's been on the PGA Tour. He's been on the Web.com Tour or whatever it's called now, the Corn Cornhole Championship Tour, whatever it's called. But he's been on the LP. He's he caddied several years on the LPGA tour, and I know with those heavy bags and you know and those things, it's a long day. You know, it those rounds last forever. I mean, those women's rounds sometimes take five hours to play. So, what is the amount of time that you think a PGA tour pro and their tournament and their round of eighteen should last on average? Thirty seconds. No, 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 the entire oh, round. The entire round for a pros, uh, depending if they have two players or three players. I would say, Let's say there's two. Let's say there's two, three hours and 45 minutes. I think that's a pretty good amount of time as well. If there's three, then maybe a few more minutes. But, man, sometimes when you're watching those rounds in the big tournaments and the majors, it feels like those back groups with all the groups in front of them and the amount of time that they're taking on their shots, it's just slow. And I know that Brooks Kepka is one that maybe isn't as much worried about himself and the pace of play and how it affects him, but thinking about other people, viewers, and trying to make sponsors, these rounds go quicker. Sponsors. I mean, do you want to sponsor something that people aren't going to watch because you know they get turned off by the slow play? That there is an argument to say, look, this is a long weekend. For anybody who ever says... Oh, walking 18, golf is an easy sport. I encourage you that in the middle of the day, go out to Turkey Creek. Don't even bring a bag. But walk. From number one. Walk from number one to number 18. Yeah. Four days in a row. Yeah. And then tell me how you feel on that fifth day. Yeah. Because walking that amount of steps, whether you're swinging a golf club, carrying a bag, or just standing there, it's not easy. I used to carry my bag. I didn't get a golf cart for about the first, gosh, first four or five years. I belonged at Rolling Acres, which is very hilly. And I did not have a golf cart for the first four or five years. And it's tough on you. It is. You play four days in a row of walking 18. Yeah, and it's and you hot. Are, and, and it it's hurts. It's dirty. I mean, it's hot and it's dirty. You You're get, sweating. Oh, yeah. That it's not easy. Yeah. And so I think there is part of this, too, that the players are saying, can we make these rounds just a little bit shorter? Exactly. Can can you take it easy on the sunburn for me? Yeah. All right, Steve, we'll wrap things up after this. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, The Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. 
You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Ramping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. Steve, are you excited for the I-70 series tonight? I'm always excited when the Royals and Cardinals get together because, you know, the first thing I bring up. Don Denkinger? Don Denkinger. I will never let it go. Did you write any hate mail to him? I did not write hate mail to him. Have you ever written any hate mail? No. Any emails to anybody you say, you're the worst? Never. I think you should. I think you should find Don's. Is he alive? Don's alive. I think you should. I, fi- feel, I think you should well, find his became, contact info. He, he became kind of a tragic figure, though, because I mean, he got threatened, and that's they, why I'm saying you should reach out to him and say you missed the call, but I forgive you. I just wish there'd been instant replay, and the Cardinals would have won the series. So. That's true. Eighty-five. So, Steve, I'm around you a lot, and you're always donking on the St. Louis Cardinals, and always saying, "Oh, they're just so bad." It doesn't really feel to me like they should be in the middle of a division race, but they are. They're just two well, I, games back. They're still my favorite team. Well, I, right. I'm just, I you just, just dog on them. Yeah, I dog on them. They're still two games back of the Cubs. In the wild card, I mean, you're Cardinals, man. They're in it right now. Yeah, they are. And, and, and the way you've and, made it feel like is just that well, they're, they're, they're losers. But they've not played. They, I mean, they're only like five games over 500. Six. Six now. Well, Thank goodness for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, that's the only thing that's kept them in the race. They've gone 7-0 and the last three weeks against the Pirates. So uh, I don't think the Cardinals will make the playoffs. They don't have that, you know, dynamic starting pitcher. Their hitters, they've, they've really not hit the ball well this year. They've been very streaky. Uh, Matt Carpenter, you know, was a really good player for a lot of years. He, he can't even hit his weight. Um they're outfielders. That's not good for somebody who's not very they, big either. They've had a ton of injuries. I mean, they've had as many injuries as any team except for the, maybe the Yankees. But uh, I just it'd be nice if they could just steal their way somehow into the playoffs. They've missed it three years in a row, and that's a drought by Cardinal standards. So do you have faith as a Cardinal fan that your team will be able to hit Glenn Sparkman tonight? I have no doubt they'll be able to hit Glenn Sparkman tonight. What about... Will they hit Brad Keller tomorrow night? that I don't know because the Cardinals, they're coming off a stretch where they lost. They went on the road for five games, went 0-5 and and scored seven runs in the five games. That was against the A's and the Dodgers. Dodgers are really good, though. Steve, you want to make a bet with the Royals-Cardinals? I already have a bet with somebody. Well, why not with me? Well. What could we bet? I, I just... I don't know what... If the Royals sweep, then something. If the Cardinals sweep, then something. If they well, split, then the no big deal. The thing is, even when the Cardinals were good and the Royals were not very good, the Royals have really had a lot of success. That's why I'm saying. I well, want to I take know. the Royals for two. Well, I'm sure. Well, you can have the Royals for two. I'll take what, the what, what are our stakes? I don't think we can put it on the air. Oh, well, not money. Oh. What if we just said like a, a meal? A meal? Like a lunch. All right. If the, If the Royals sweep the Cardinals... You got to buy me lunch if the Cardinals... No, other way. I'm taking the Royals. Is that... What did I say? You said the opposite. Okay. If the Cardinals sweep, I got to buy you lunch. That's right. That's right. If the Royals sweep, you buy me lunch. If they split, then we're a wash. Okay. Work for you? All right. Sounds good. It's it's in paper. It's on the air. It's on, it's on the air, so it's gold. I like your thinking. All right. So enjoy that tonight, Steve. I'll stop by the apartment and, and see if you're nervous yet. Oh. If your palms are sweaty... Well, I don't think Sparky 
is going to be able to stop the Redbird. <laughs> Wrapping up today's show for Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, the Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer's State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.